0: Open your Bibles, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're developing a fairly large uh, club of people who have had uh, knees replaced. For those of you that don't know, when you have a knee replaced on the same day as surgery, they get you up and walking. Uh, Of course, you're heavily medicated, so you could uh, just about do anything uh, on a day like that. But the physical therapy continues, Uh, you know, you have some things you're supposed to do, and then one week after surgery, you go in and uh, meet a physical torturer, I mean a physical therapist... Uh, specially trained in uh, methods uh, of pain and therapy. I'm four weeks out from surgery, and a week ago when I went in for therapy, my therapist forgot he was in Ferndale, and he thought he was on the biggest loser TV show. And he thought I was one of those people who needed to be worked to death. He worked me so hard that the day after therapy, my biceps were sore. <laughs> and I'm thinking knee not arms <laughs> knee and my calves haven't been the same since then but here i am walking around 4 weeks after surgery as you know here rogers here today 2 weeks 2 weeks after two knee surgeries you know of course ralph had two knees and a lot of other people have really an amazing thing that the, the recovery can be so fast, even though it's not as fast as I wanted. Um, it's certainly uh, it's an amazing thing. But it doesn't happen without pain and effort. If you take the path that you would n- like to take, you would just stay in bed and curl up in a little ball, and you would not be able to walk again because your little muscles would just go like that. And so there's pain and there's effort involved. And God's method of growth also involves effort and pain or challenge to us. And I want to talk about God's divine workout plan from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Some verses that we normally and always associate with a certain doctrine that is the doctrine of inspiration but they're given here to timothy to tell him how to be strong in the lord second timothy three verse sixteen all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of god may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The power in the divine workout plan is God's word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for the things that we need. The word inspiration here is a compound word composed of two Greek words. One of them is the word for God. The other one is the word for breath. And it could be literally translated, God breathed. Now, God doesn't have a mouth. If you remember John chapter 4, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he said, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And yet God uses the expressions of human experience to help us understand him. And so he is not trying to tell us he has a mouth and the words came out of his mouth, but he's trying to tell us that the words of this word, the Bible, came right out of his very mouth in in the sense of his very thoughts coming right from him. The use of this word is to help us understand these are his very words. How did God do that? Second Peter says, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture or no, no part of the Scripture is, is of any private, literally it would be rendered his no private source. It didn't come up on its own, nor did it come up out of, as the next verse says, it did not come up out of the will of man. But the holy men of God spoke as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. The word for spirit is the same root word as the root word for breath. And as we get our word pneumatic from, pneuma, the Holy Spirit, the holy pneuma, the breath of God, the pneuma of God. John MacArthur said it this way, as clearly seen in Scripture itself, God's divine truth more often flowed through the minds, souls, hearts, and emotion of his chosen human instruments. Yet, by whatever means, God divinely superintended the accurate recording of his divinely breathed truth by his divinely chosen men. God says, it's my word. Yes, the Apostle Paul or his secretary was holding the pen, but I caused the exact words to be written. The word for scripture here is the word for writing, graphe. And he's talking about this written word. He's not just talking about ideas. He's talking about this written word. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said about the truth that he preached. I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, or it's not from man as a source. For neither did I receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, quoting from John MacArthur, he noted something that I haven't thought of before as a proof of the divine origin of the Scripture. It's both remarkable and significant that, that most if not all of the human authors, were aware they were recording Scripture and sometimes were overwhelmed by the truths that God revealed to them. And yet they exhibit a total lack of self-consciousness or apology in the common sense of that word. Together, the biblical writers make some 4,000 claims to be writing God's Word, yet they offer no defense "...for being employed by God in such an elevated function. Despite their realization of their own sinfulness and fallibility, they wrote with the utter confidence that they spoke infallibly for God and His revelation itself is best known, uh, is its own best and irrefutable defense." The Apostle Paul on numerous occasions in the Scripture said, I'm not worthy to be an apostle. I used to persecute the church of God. He would say things like that, and yet here he says, Look, I'm telling you God's truth. The Apostle Paul was aware of his own sinfulness, and yet he was also aware, Look, God has given me his truth, and I'm going to speak it to you. That's an amazing thing. The Apostle Paul never defended the writing of God's truth. He just said, It is God's truth. Jesus said this about God's truth. The scripture cannot be broken. Unaru, you come from Mongolia. Did you ever hear God's word before you came here? No. Nobody ever showed you a Bible? Okay. But not around God or, or, or church or, or anything like that, yeah. and you came here and you went to a Bible study and somebody said, this is God's word, right? Yeah. And how long did it take before you said, you're right? How long? How many months? No, before you accepted Christ. How many months were you in Bible study? Maybe a half a year. Did anybody put handcuffs on you and say, You must believe this is God's Word? No. Did the Holy Spirit put the handcuffs on you in your heart? It's God's Word, it cannot be broken. You, you can say what you want about God's Word, but it is God's Word, and it is true, and it is powerful. One of the greatest proofs of this, of the divine source of this book is its invincibility. Do you know that printing was invented to print the Bible? Johannes Gutenberg invented the printing press so he could make copies of the Bible. And since then, it has been the best-selling book ever and always. There is a fella in France who lived from 1694 to 1778 whose name was France François-Marie Arouet. I may be not pronouncing that quite French enough. He was better known by his pen name of Voltaire. Voltaire was a French skeptic. By skeptic, we mean he was a philosopher who did not believe... We might call him today an atheist or an agnostic or things like that. And he's very well known for this famous statement made near the end of his life. So around 1778. In 150 years, Christianity will be just a distant memory. That would have been 1928. Is Christianity just a distant memory? No, Voltaire is a distant memory. How many of you ever heard of him before I said his name today? Okay. The rest of you, Volhu? <laughs> there has been an unending string of men who have attacked the validity of God's word, but they are distant memories and it lives on. There has been an unending string of attacks by governments on the Bible. And yet it lives on. The scripture cannot be broken. It is unique and it is uniquely powerful. This is the verse that was read this morning in our scripture time. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and of the intents of the heart. The word of God is powerful. Paul Under God's inspiration, says Timothy, you need to understand this is God's word, and it is what needs to be changing your life. And then he goes right on to tell us what the plan for that change involves. What is the plan of this divine workout? Look here again in verse 16. The scripture is profitable or valuable or useful for four things. Doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. The first one of those is doctrine. And the word doctrine in the Bible means teaching, or you could even think of it as content. I am teaching Bible doctrine today. Sometimes the word doctrine or the word theology has gotten a bad rap, as in it's a, it's a dry, dull uh, dissemination of facts. And that is not what doctrine is. Doctrine is the content of Scripture. You might even think of it this way. Doctrine is the thoughts or are, doctrine is the thoughts upon which you base your life and they either come from God or some other source. Every human being has a life doctrine. I live my life this way. You know, many wouldn't be hard to ask people, how do you live your life? Well, I just try to be nice to everybody. That's their life doctrine. Everybody has one. The question is, does your doctrine come from the scriptures or from yourself? This famous verse, uh, to those of us who have been the Lord, draws this comparison. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Clearly, there's a choice to be made. Am I leaning on God's understanding or my own understanding of how to live life? God's provision for our life is summarized here. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. What God claims is that He has told us everything we need for living. Now, He doesn't claim that He's told us everything about knee surgery. He doesn't claim that he's told us everything there is to know about mathematics. I understand there are other fields of knowledge, but not other fields of knowledge about living. God has told us everything we need to know about life and godliness. Wayne Stoll works for the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, He works at the border, but then also works in other places. And his job is to keep our Food and drug safe. So if you ever have a problem, you just go see him. <laughs> now, this last year, you found listeria in some fish. Is that correct? Some fish was trying to be shipped into the country, and you found listeria. What happens when listeria comes into your body? Oh, Sometimes it causes spontaneous abortion. Uh-huh. So it's a serious thing. So we should all say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously, it was a big deal. In It'd be a big deal to you if you got listeria. And it was a big deal to folks in his line of work that, that he found that. What you take into your body has a positive or negative impact. You take in listeria. You take in germs. We had our whole family together a week ago. And we all went our separate ways with various infections. (laughs) And I'm not exaggerating. And about half a dozen of us are on antibiotics right now. Okay, What you take into your body either has a positive or a negative impact. We know that. We try to stay away from germs. We try to stay away from food that is rotten, etc. Well, what you take into your soul either strengthens it or tears it down. And what God says is His Word is profitable for the doctrine of your life. And if you're living your life based on some other doctrine, it is going to tear you down sooner or later. God says live your life based on this pure doctrine, and that is what you need to do. That's what you need to be strong. God's Word is also... Valuable. It works us out in the area of reproof. And the word reproof means what is wrong in regard to either the way you act, conduct, or the way you think, which would be a belief. God defines what is wrong in us as a heart problem. For out of the abundance of the heart, the things that are in your heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things Jesus went on to say and enlarge upon this but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts murders adulteries fornications thefts false witness and blasphemies God says his word is what is needed to reprove the wrong that is in us. When we accept Christ as our Savior, our hearts are made new by God, but they are not made perfect. They are made new with the potential to grow in righteousness, and what we need to be doing is day by day putting away sin and taking on righteousness by the Word of God. When we do that, the Word of God reproves us. It tells us what is wrong, and it tells us what is right. Several years ago, I complained to my doctor about three years in a row about the pain in my knee. And uh, he listened to me and he said, you have bursitis, and he gave me a cortisone shot in my knee. At my annual physical, I would, you know, he'd say, is there anything else that's bothering you? And I'd say, well, my knee hurts. Next year, well, my knee hurts. Oh, it's bursitis, give me a cortisone shot. Next third year, same thing. Finally, I had a problem in my shoulder. Actually, for three years, I was complaining about my shoulder, and I said, my shoulder hurts. He goes, oh, it's bursitis, cortisone shot. I'm not making this up. Finally, my... Sh- yeah, key word is the doctor I had. I... I finally got so weak in my shoulder that I convinced him to get a, a test, an MRI, and then and the, the person running the MRI said, Oh, you got a torn such and so, you know, or just, just like that. And when I went to the orthopedist for my shoulder, I said, You know, my knees have been bothering me. And they said, Oh, we'll take an x ray. He took an x ray and he says, Your knee's wearing out. That's why that doctor is the doctor I used to have as my general practice doctor. There are lots of people in the world who think they can diagnose what is wrong with you. They will say, oh, you're like this. Well, you must have such and such a problem. You must have this problem or that problem. And they, they are very well-intentioned. They want to help you feel better, to work better, to succeed better. But if the truth that they are giving you is not coming from here, the reproof of your deficit will not be effective. God says this, this is what can reprove you. This is what can change the things that need to change in your soul. The third part of this divine workout is correction. And the word correction here in the scripture, you may have it written as instruction in, uh, excuse me, the word correction is there, the third word in the list. It means to, to restore to an upright position. What do I have here? It, it, it literally would have been used in this setting if, if something fell down like that, you, in, in the Greek language, you would say, I have corrected it. I've put it back to the way that it's supposed to be. I've put it back to a useful, to a useful uh, position. And the root word, and this is one of those things you know, even pastors uh, learn new things as they study God's word. The root word is the word ortho, and orthopedics comes from this word. The word ortho in Greek means to be straight or to be not just straight, but the idea is uh, in its proper place. And the idea of an orthopedist is that when you break a bone, your bones are not in their proper place, and he puts it back straight. This word means to to restore something back to to an upright or a useful position. God's word can restore you to an upright and proper position. God doesn't just tell us what is wrong. He tells us how to get there. The first time I went to a physical therapist, a week after my surgery, Sue was with me. And, and uh, I'm laying on the table, and, and he says, you know, my legs are like this on the table. He says, lift your legs up. So I lift my legs up. He goes, now, just do this one. So I, I lifted my leg up, and my leg kind of went up like that. And he says to her, did you see that? She goes, yeah, I saw that. And what happened was part of my leg went up, and then later the other part of it joined and he said, those muscles right there are not working properly. Great. That's why I'm here. You're the expert. Now, at that point, if he had sent me home, I would have been able to say, I know why I can't lift my leg up. Because those muscles, these, these, these uh, I think he called them quadriceps or something like that, whatever it is, right in there, they aren't working right. Those don't work right. I'm really smart. <laughs> Do you think that's where He stopped. No. He said, here, do this exercise. Here, do that exercise. Here, let's go out here. Stand on one leg. You know what I can't do right now? You should Maybe you shouldn't try this, Roger. You've got two bum legs. I can barely stand on that one leg. I can stand on this one just like that, no problem. But this one, and then he puts a weight in my hand. And you know why that is? It's not because of weakness. It's because some of those muscles don't go, time to work. You know, they're all going... And so when I go to therapy, he he watches me move and whatnot, and he goes, okay, now we're going to do this. And we go over and get tortured this way, and then we get tortured that way. Because he's (laughs) he's not just happy to say, your leg doesn't work. He's saying, here is the path to correction. Here is the way you can be whole again. God's Word can do that. We are not about just saying, you're messed up, you're messed up. That doesn't work. God's word is about saying, hey, you're in a difficulty here. Now, here's the path out of that difficulty back to where you need to be. There's a fourth element in this divine workout plan, and it's called instruction in righteousness. And the word instruction here might be better translated training it's the word that's used in other parts of Scripture like Ephesians 4 or 5, Ephesians 6, when it says, train up a child, that the, or, when, or excuse me, Ephesians 6, which says that the, the dad's role is to train the child in godliness. Titus chapter 2 says this, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, And that's our same word here for instruction or training. Training us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. The grace of God itself trains us. The word of God trains us. And God himself trains us. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the training of the Lord nor be discouraged when you're rebuked for him. For whom the Lord loves, he trains. And he scourges every son whom he receives. This word for training was a word that would have been used of training children back in that day in in the Greek language. And it involved not just... See, when we read the word chastening there, all we think about is punishment. But God doesn't use the word that way. He uses it in the sense of training, which is... Uh, When you tell a child, here's the wrong thing, here's the right thing, and I'm going to encourage you in the right way. Sometimes uh, parents will say, do you want a reminder? That's training. Because the goal is not to spank the child. The goal is for the child to act right. And that's what training is. And that's what God does. God takes no pleasure in causing us pain or difficulty. But he uses pain and difficulty to get us to walk in the right way. The physical therapist knows that he's making me hurt. In fact, a week ago, he said, tomorrow you're going to feel this. He knew it. He knew he was pushing me hard. Does he do it because he gets his jollies from making people hurt? No. He wants me to, to walk straight and true. And God does the same thing. Now, think with me back specifically about the scripture. And this is an important lesson for us. This will train you in righteousness, and God will train you in righteousness. If you got to choose, which one would you choose? The chastening of the Lord? or the truth of God's word. Let me put it to you this way. In a a quote that I I heard from John MacArthur years ago, and it just stuck with me so much because I think it's true, he said, you can confess your sin to God privately, or he will confess it for you publicly. Here's what I'm trying to say. You could get in the Word of God every day, every day, every day, and say, God, show me my errors, correct me, train me in righteousness. And God will say, see that, see that, see that, see that. And every day you work on a little piece of it. Or you could put the Bible away and say, I'm doing just fine. And God, who loves you dearly, will come along and say, no, you're not. In fact, today you're going to have a real workout The Word of God trains us, and God trains us. I would rather go to the Word and let it train me than have to suffer the chastening of God. What's the product of this divine workout? The product is in 2 Timothy 3.17 when it says, here's the result, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, the three major translations that we tend to use translate this differently. The King James uses the word perfect. He says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. The NIV says that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. The New King James says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished. Now, I'm telling you that just so you can follow it in whatever translation you have, but here's what you need to know. The same word is used twice in this verse, once in its normal way and once in an intensive way. And the literal meaning might go something like this, that the man of God may be equipped, thoroughly equipped. Now we could use the word equipped, we could use the word furnished, and I want to give you some examples with both of those to, to make sure that you get a, a hold of what this is saying. If we use the word furnished, then we might come to the idea of furnishings in a room. Um, in this room, um, if it was completely empty, we'd say the room is empty, but as it is right now, we would say it is thoroughly furnished. Um, to have church, typically, you need some chairs, you need some lights, you need some windows. Um, do you know that when you, when you rent an apartment in Europe, you don't get anything even cabinets or a toilet or anything most of the time those are all called furnishings this room is thoroughly furnished for church work it's not thoroughly furnished for maybe a house to live in but it's thoroughly furnished as a church if we use the word equipped then we would think of equipment and i thought of cars you know when you go to buy a car they say here's the list of standard equipment then here is a list of optional equipment. In the standard equipment, one of the things you'll find is a steering wheel. Now, if the car did not have a steering wheel, you would say it is not fully equipped because it's not useful without a steering wheel. This room is not useful without... I mean, the walls aren't enough. We need some more things. And so the Scripture says... If the word of God is able to have its intended impact in your life, you will be completely equipped or furnished to do the work God wants you to do. It's a tremendous promise that God is going to build in you the ability to do his will and his work in you and through you. And that may be as simple as, as the ability to live out your family life, or it may be as significant as the ability to, to go to some foreign country and, and uh, carry out uh, a ministry there. Again, we come back to this passage, grace and peace be multiplied you in the knowledge of God and, our, and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, that through, through this truth, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that you may be partakers of the divine nature. That's another way to say you can be completely furnished or, or prepared to do what God wants you to do. When I go to physical therapy, <clears throat> I do exercise, and I learn ways to exercise that I did not know before. But the important thing is that when I leave there, I do those exercises too. I don't like Roger anymore, because he's able to correct me now. I'm, I'm, I'm walking across the room today, and he goes, don't limp. <laughs> that's an instruction from the physical therapist, because you know what happens if you limp? Your muscles get trained according to the limp. And that's one of the things I'm trying to remind myself I don't need to limp, but somehow I think I do, and I'm kind of, you know, whatever. Stand up straight, walk straight, put one foot right in front of the other, put the heel down first. The therapist said, put the heel down first. It will remind you to walk normally. I mean, there's so many things to learn, but if I don't practice those things when I leave there, there's no value. Because those three half hours a week are not going to repair what has been done on my leg. It's not enough for you to know God's truth. You have to live God's truth. One of the ways that that begins is by believing in Christ as your Savior. You might be here today and say, well, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I I know that truth. It's there. It's there. But have you ever come to a point where you said, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, that I am a sinner, that I can't get to heaven without that? That is a decision point at which this Word of God starts to work you out. And if you've never made that decision, I would invite you to do it today. And if you have made that decision, if you're living in Christ, I want to challenge you today to pick up God's Word on a regular basis and let it work you out. Let it be your divine therapist, telling you what is wrong and what is right and what needs to change. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for not letting us live in our own foolish, sinful ways. Help us to let your word change our lives. Help us to be in the word, to be reading it, to be applying it, to be living it out. As we do that, furnish us, equip us, enable us to do your work.